973-1070-WDAY-AM-93.1-FM. Good afternoon, Nolan. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How are you? Uh, doing pretty good. We're going to get right into it. Yeah. We have a, a guest right off the bat, uh, President Trump, uh, on his way to, uh, to to North Dakota. And uh, a man is going to be there to greet him, our governor, Doug Burgum. Governor Burgum, welcome to the program, and thanks for your time today. Good afternoon, Rob. What uh, what do you want to hear from President Trump when he speaks here in North Dakota? Well, I think it's exciting that he's uh, choosing uh, North Dakota as a backdrop to uh, talk about the need for a pro pro worker, pro America, pro jobs, uh, you know, pro low taxes on the middle class. I mean, what I mean, what a great message for him to be delivering here in North Dakota, a state that has had a long history of of being uh, exactly the same in terms of pro-growth and low-tax state. So great of him to come here, and uh, I hope the, maybe the rest of the United States and the world will, will take notice of that. Earlier today on, on SayAnythingBlog.com, former Governor Ed Schaefer wrote an op-ed uh, sort of greeting President Trump to the state and then also sort of t- talking about his time in office, and obviously that was some time ago, but the state – not on, a situation not unlike it is now, where we had you know some some budget difficulties, some revenue issues. Uh, at that time, you know he 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 pushed tax cuts. Let's lower the burden of government. Let's set the economy on fire. And and he his argument was that President Trump should hold North Dakota up as an example, as a model for that sort of thing. Do you agree with that? I mean, is North Dakota a model that that President Trump can point at for national policy? I absolutely agree with that, and I agree with the. Uh... With Governor Schaefer, I think Ed was the guy that got it all going in 1992. Uh, with the, with the, it was the beginning of a you know change in direction, change in leadership, and uh, beginning of uh, uh, sort of a new era of focused on you know pro growth and lower taxes and appropriate amount of regulation. And uh, we've all we've all benefited from that from the groundwork that he that he laid uh, back starting in 1992. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. If you enjoy the program, eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Governor Pre- President Trump, he's obviously coming here to talk about tax policy, and I think we're all excited to to hear what he's got in mind and, and start maybe hearing some some specifics about what that policy is going to look at. One one announcement he made recently, though, that's that's causing a, a lot of stir is uh, he, he announced that, that he wants to phase out DACA, which essentially is is, is a sort of amnesty program for illegal immigrant children who were brought here as children by their parents. Now, he's essentially saying, you know, we've got six months uh, to wrap this up, uh, to, to wrap up the program. But, but he really seems to be saying the way President Obama did it was illegal. Congress, you know, step up and do your jobs and do something. Uh, I know I know, Microsoft, which is a company that, that you had a long you know, history with, has come out very forcefully against this move by President Trump. What do you make of this, and, and, and what are the impacts for North Dakota of this, this policy change? Well, I, I think the, to answer your, your first uh, question in there is, if you take a look at the, uh, where the responsibility lies for immigration policy, it lies with Congress. And Obama was on the record at least a half a dozen times saying that it was not in his authority to unilaterally change uh, Immigration, and then near the end of his term, he did exactly, you know, he flip-flopped and did exactly that when he, by executive order, created this. So I think uh, what the president is doing here is actually sending it back to Congress and saying, Congress, you know, is, this is your job. You need to do your job and, and, uh, and go to work. And so I'm, I'm, 
I think it is something that can be solved uh, in Congress, and and I'm uh, <clears throat> and I think that's the right place to solve it. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine email talk at wday dot com. When the president lands, I imagine you're going to have a chance to chat with him a little bit, although I understand it's a little bit of a, of a whirlwind trip. If you get a chance to talk to the president, what, what message, I mean, what, what comments are you going to make to him? Can, can you share that with us? Well, I, I think one of the things that we, we certainly see uh, in North Dakota is the, the cabinet that he's put in place, uh, you know, that's you know, pro-energy, pro-agriculture, pro-business, pro-growth. Uh, is really making a difference, and they're really available, and they're really including the states as partners. I mean, this is a new. I think you know, in all other all the noise that's happening that comes out of Washington D.C. every day, you know what 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 I take as signal versus noise. The signal is when the White House is uh, is you know making major decisions like this. You know, he's not doing the speech on tax reform and. Uh, in the White House, you know, he's coming out to states. He was in Missouri last week. He's in North Dakota now. He's out, in, you know, talking. To, he's out involving state governors, involving their administrations, their cabinet, and what he's doing because he understands that uh, this is a country that was, you know, will benefit if we've got 50 states that are acting independently and as acting as platforms for innovation. He wants to create the framework of policy to do that. So whether it's, uh, you know, Mnuchin who'll be here that. Uh, the, the Secretary of Treasury, who I've had a chance to meet, you know, brilliant guy who's, I'm sure, driving this along with Gary Cohn, who I've had a chance to meet, uh, economic advisors. I mean, this is a definitely a tax plan that is going to really help middle Americans. It's going to help spur job growth, and it's going to help solve a huge problem of, of corporations uh, in the United States. I mean, some of the best corporations in the world are based in the U.S., and their profits are all stuck overseas because of our high tax rates. And if we could get, you know, $3 trillion with a T of profits from overseas back investing in North, in, in back in, in the United States, uh, you know, that's going to be great for job growth. So, you know, they get it. They understand it. You know, Zinke, uh, I'm going to be in D.C. tomorrow. I'm going to get a chance to meet with, uh, <clears throat> with uh, Secretary Zinke of Interior tomorrow to talk about a number of issues related to mineral and tribal issues. I'm meeting with Secretary Purdue tomorrow in Washington, D.C., Around some agricultural issues, but uh, his his team uh, that he's put together is a team that wants it to work at the state level, and and so and this is a, it's a long answer to question. But if it, if my if my answer for him is going to be gratitude, and it's gratitude that he's letting states uh, do the job that we can do best for our people. I have a question from an emailer, and I'm I'm going to paraphrase it here, but you know, essentially asking why why was it the venue and, and President Trump speaking at a at, at the oil refinery in, in Mandan, uh, the, the question was why why not a more public venue for for the president's trip to to the state? Uh, my understanding is that it's 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 closed door. There's there's 700 spots available. That was invite only. Uh, why wasn't it more open to the public? And and they wanted me to ask you this, but I mean, did you have anything to do with with selecting the, the location or any input on that, or was that all the White House? That was 100 percent 100 percent the White House, and uh, and so it'd be pure speculation on the backdrop. But I think if you're you know, wanted to talk about the, uh, you know, a pro-growth, pro-jobs, you know, pro-energy, pro-agriculture. You, you know, you pick, a, you pick a visible backdrop that sort of highlights that. And I think at least for North Dakota, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the world that don't know we're the number two oil-producing state in the country. And I think that's going to be a, it's going to be a great day to, you know, showcase some of the economic strength that our state has uh, to the rest of the country. So it's, you know, they made the choice, they made the choice 100% on their own, but we're happy to we're happy that he's here when a president comes 
uh, you're happy whatever location they pick uh, because it's just it's good for any president to understand what's going on in the state. And look, he's coming, you know, what seven months into his uh, eight months, I guess, uh, into his into his term. You know, this isn't I'm showing up in the last year because I want to check a box to say I've been to all 50 states in my eight years in office. This is a somebody early on first year when he's got stuff going on all over the globe. He's coming here to North Dakota, and I think it's flattering. I think every citizen in North Dakota ought to be like, hey, we're, uh, you know, the federal government's paying attention to us, and the federal government is, uh, you know, wanting to make sure that we, you know, the, you know, the, the, the workers, the entrepreneurs, the risk takers, the people that are doing that they care about trying to put together policies that will help all of us uh, grow and prosper. And I think that's great that they're out of D.C. Uh, they're out of D.C. and they're out on the ground and they're seeing where the real world is. Last question. President Trump, very popular in North Dakota. He got almost 63 percent of the vote. A Gallup poll early, earlier this year showed North Dakota number two in the nation behind only West Virginia in terms of approving President Trump. I, I have my my theory about why North Dakotans like him so much. and I, I think a lot of it is North Dakotans live where the food comes from and, and where the energy comes from. Right. We live right at the source. And so I, I, I think that sort of permeates our culture here. We're a very get-it-done people. We don't have a lot of time for nonsense because the, the work we do is important. we got to feed people. we got to make sure the lights come on. You know, that's most North Dakotans are employed either directly or indirectly by those industries. So I, I think – and I think President Trump has the perception of being a very get-it-done president. But that's my theory. Why do you think North Dakotans like President Trump so much? Well, I, I agree with you, Rob. I mean, I, I think we're – People, people in North Dakota are, you know, self-reliant. They've a lot of them have, uh, you know, made it on their own, and they're uh, they like people that do the, you know, straight talk and aren't overly concerned about being politically correct. And I think there's a general frustration in the country that you saw in the election last year, the frustration with the gridlock of D.C. politics, and there's certainly a frustration with the media. And I think they they see, uh, you know, Trump as someone who's out there every day fighting the battle, fighting the battles that they feel. You know, he's fighting against. Uh, uh, you know whether it's media bias or fighting against a a, uh, a you know tax and spend uh, regime that was the view of that's the solution to all the problems, and so I think people you know really feel a kinship to him. I mean I, I know if he was uh, if they'd had an if they'd had an open meeting today there would have been you know way more people that would have showed up today to see President Trump than than would have shown up to see candidate Trump when he was here a year ago in May. Uh, he could have filled whatever venue he would have wanted to. Uh, I mean because again there's a People have a real, uh, a real uh, understanding uh, about you know what he's trying, what he's trying to do for the economy, and what he's trying to do for for the country. Well, Mr. Governor, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you, Rob. Have a great day. That's uh, that's Governor Doug Burgum, of course, uh, getting ready to greet President Trump, who is uh, on his way to North Dakota as I speak. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. If you want to join in, 701-293-9000, We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY. 701 293 Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, uh, we just got done interviewing Governor Doug Burgum, and uh, obviously he's getting ready to welcome uh, President Trump uh, to our state. 
and uh, I'm sure he'll be speaking sometime after this show is over. But uh, one thing that I guess that the president, I was watching the news that the President Trump was talking about on his plane ride to North Dakota is that he apparently has has reached some sort of a a debt deal with Democratic uh, minority leaders, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer and uh, Representative Nancy Pelosi, uh, on the debt ceiling, and it's it's something related that they're gonna they're gonna raise the debt ceiling for three months, and then, um, and and then also pass uh, the aid for Hurricane Harvey. Uh, sort of interesting, Republican president cutting a deal with with Democratic congressional leaders, sort of leaving Republicans out of the mix, but. I guess that's Trump. Uh, Neil sends me a tweet, says, Rob, can you enlighten us on your show today how the debt ceiling being raised works? Do they ever pay it down? Well, the important thing to remember about the debt ceiling is that it's not the national debt. Um, the, the debt is a, is a separate number, uh, and it's somewhere north of 20 trillion. I haven't checked in in a while. Somewhere north of $20 trillion. The debt ceiling ostensibly is a limit on the amount of debt that the federal government can accumulate. So, you know, it's 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 sort of like the limit on your credit card, right? Like like if you have a credit card and your limit is I, I don't know ten thousand dollars, you can't spend more than that, and, and your card starts to to decline. Um, essentially, what what the debt limit is on the federal government is, you know, the federal government's credit card is is going to start declining. Or more specifically, the United States Treasury doesn't have the authority to continue borrowing money to pay for the deficits spending that the state does, and, 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 or that the nation does. And the deficit is even different than the debt. The deficit is in any given calendar, be it calendar, you know, any given time duration, be it a, a week or a month or a fiscal year or whatever it is, um, whatever that is, you know, essentially there could be a deficit between intakes and outlays, right? So, the deficit is the difference between how much we take in versus how much we spend. That's the deficit. And then as the deficits accumulate, that adds to the national debt. And then the debt limit is how high that debt can go or how far basically the, the United States Treasury is is authorized to continue accumulating debt. Now, you know, I, the, the other question that, that Neil asked is, do they ever pay it down? Well, yeah, I mean, they, they have if, – if we're, if we're talking about the debt um, – we have gone backwards. I, I think the last time we did was during the Clinton administration, uh, during the, the the heights of the dot com bubble. Uh, there was a time where we ran some surpluses, and ostensibly, yeah, we we went backwards for a little while on the national debt. Doesn't happen very often. I think the question he meant to ask is, you know, do we ever not raise the debt ceiling? And, and the answer to that, Nolan, is no. Every time we get close to the debt ceiling, we end up raising it. You know, we 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 do some you know, some political brinksmanship and we have a kabuki dance and, and everybody sort of, uh, you know, retreats to their partisan corners and, and people try to uh, attach, you know, the, you know, whatever bill is, is the politics of the moment to, to the debt ceiling hike. But ultimately, they always raise it, which makes me wonder, is it really a debt ceiling at all? If we're always raising it when we get to it, what's the point of having it? If, if every time we reach it, we raise it. Doesn't seem to right. make sense, but I but I heard that they were going to keep it so they could keep the government from shutting down something along those lines. Just briefly, at what I read uh, well, about there raising was, this ceiling. Now, now the thing I've heard is that the Democrats were starting to talk about uh, over over the the DACA issue, and, and they yeah. were going to have basically if if because Congress has six months to do it, so 
what Trump is saying, and, and it may be two separate issues, because tr- I, I guess the, the – and I don't know other than the, the comments I saw for President Trump. What he is saying is he's reached a deal with, with the Democrat leadership to essentially raise the – and we got to get Republicans to go along with this because they're the majority – but uh, to essentially raise the, the – you know, create enough borrowing authority to, to fund the government for three months. Um, and then also in that same bill fund Hurricane Harvey relief. Now – the DACA issue is a six-month timeline, right? So within that three months, I, I guess what Democrats are starting to say is that they may not reauthorize – they may not they may not want to raise the debt ceiling if, if they don't get their way on, on DACA. And, and essentially what, what President Trump has said is, listen, I am, I am shutting down this program in six months. Congress, you better do something because what President Obama did on his own through an executive order is illegal. So – that's where all that stands, and I guess we'll see how that plays out. Hey, Kaylee McInerney, who is the RNC spokeswoman, Republican National Committee, she's on next. We're going to talk with her right after this. This is the Rob Report on 970 AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report on 970 AM and 93.1 FM. Joining me now is Kaylee McEnany. She is the RN, she is the spokeswoman for the Republican National Committee. Kaylee, thank you for your time today. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. President Trump visiting our state today. He's going to talk about tax reform. I think a lot of people are pretty excited to maybe hear some specifics about this. Uh, what are we going to hear from the president today? Look, I think you're going to hear about uh, how we need to put more money in the pocket of middle-class workers and in the pocket of the hurting American family. Democrats want to act as if tax reform is all about corporate tax cuts. Uh, that's not it at all. And I think what you'll also hear is President Trump putting pressure on Democrats. You know, this should be a bipartisan poly- policy, the idea of um, giving Americans more money, giving them control of their wealth, uh, reducing the size of government and increasing the wealth of the American worker. And I think you'll see him put pressure uh, on Democratic senators to come to the middle and to um, negotiate with us. Well, speaking about pressure on on Democratic senators, he flying with him to North Dakota is our own Democratic senator, Heidi Heitkamp. Uh, How is she going to react to this? How are other Democrats going to react to Senator Heitkamp essentially sort of being, you know, obviously we haven't seen the speech yet, but but figuratively standing next to the president as he as he makes his pitch? That's right, and she'll be aboard Air Force One with him, we know. Uh, So today is essentially bipartisan day in Washington. We're finally having Republicans and Democrats talk about some of these issues. Um, I I still hold out hope that Democrats will go from being the party of obstruction uh, to the party of negotiation. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case, but we certainly hope so. So to see him uh, standing there with a Democratic senator hoping to work uh, together, this is, you know, a a president who's in many ways a post-partisan president. He has conservative values. Uh, he's a Republican president, but he's willing to reach across the aisle when it advantages the American worker. 701-293-9000. If you want to join in, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I was just watching a, a news broadcast, and, and the president held a press gaggle on Air Force One on his way to North Dakota. And and during it, said speaking of bipartisan, during it uh, announced uh, apparently a, a deal with the Democratic leadership in Congress, uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, uh, or Speaker Pelosi, or excuse me, Minority Leader P- Pelosi, jeez, I'm forgetting what year it is, uh, essentially saying that, that he had cut a deal with them on 
the debt ceiling and and Hurricane Harvey relief and, and some other issues uh, sort of, I, I guess, and, and the way this is being portrayed in a lot of the media is that he went around Republicans on this. Now, I, I know you're talking about bipartisanship and postpartisan president, but uh, are Republicans going to feel slighted by this? I don't think so, because there were two things that, that had to happen. Number one, we had to get hurricane relief funding to the men and women of Houston, to these victims who, who need it. And number two, we, we needed to raise the debt ceiling. America's got to pay their debts. That, that was something that had to happen by the end of the month. So President Trump you know, said, I'll, I'll negotiate and make those two things happen with you know, whoever I need to. And um, he's, he's tired of seeing no action in Congress. He wants Congress to move these pieces of legislation forward so that, that we can get to tax reform. Um, it's that we can get to that seminal Republican principle. You know, the president's not going to negotiate on, on his conservative values and the promises he made to the American people. But if it's something as, as basic as raising the debt ceiling or hurricane relief funding, that's something that he's going to do uh, with, with who, whatever members of Congress will do it with him. 701-293-9000. If you want to join in, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I just had our, our governor, Doug Burgum, on the program. Uh, he's very excited for President Trump to uh, to come to North Dakota. I asked him why North Dakotans like President Trump so much, and he says because the guy's a straight talker, and that's uh, North Dakotans don't have a lot of tolerance for, for nonsense. But uh, one thing that, that he said, he, he made a note that, that this is not a president who is visiting. I mean, a lot of times North Dakota, we don't have a lot of people. We don't have a lot of electoral votes. Uh, a lot of times we get visits for presidents sort of towards the end of their term or if we have a natural disaster where they're just sort of checking off a box. Here, you know, Governor Berger made the point we have a sitting president coming to, the, to North Dakota uh, within the first year of his presidency not to check off some box but to announce a major policy initiative. This seems, to those of us who live out here in, I, I guess, flyover country, this seems like a big change, a big shift. Is this part of Trump's strategy? It's a great point that you make. You know, the president, unlike past presidents, he cares about all the American people. He's not going to overlook the flyover states, as you mentioned. Uh, he's going to prioritize North Dakota because he's not your typical politician. He's not just out to get your vote. He cares about the American people. Uh, he cares about North Dakotans. He's prioritizing coming to your state because all people of every state are a priority. Um, and he's not playing politics like the mannequin politicians we've seen in the past in the form of Hillary Clinton, who pull test their every word uh, before they come out and say a sentence and they strategize and pull test wherever state they go to, wherever city, whichever city they go to. President Trump is just a man of the people um, and he's a man of all the American people. Do you feel, uh, switching gears here, President Trump announcing uh, uh, what, what has become a very controversial announcement on, on DACA regarding uh, the, the children of, of, of illegal immigrants who, who also came to this country illegally, you know, essentially giving Congress a, a six-month ultimatum to get something done on this. Uh, is Congress going to be able to do this? Because we have a lot of things lingering, you know, for, for Congress. This is going to be a very busy month for them, and, and President Trump just put another pretty big to-do on their table. I'm hearing some Democrats already talking about possibly uh, shutting down the government over this issue. What what are we going to see from this in, in the coming weeks on, on this this issue that, that, that impacts, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that, that are living in our country. I think we'll end up seeing a solution on DACA. I was encouraged this morning. I saw Senator Lindsey Graham on, on Fox News saying, hey, I've sponsored the DREAM Act. It's been something that, that he's put forward a number of times. But he said something that I hadn't heard before, which was that I'm willing to attach border security to this. I'm willing uh, to prioritize both border security and coming up with an, equ with an equitable solution for the DACA children. So we're already seeing Republicans move closer together on this issue. I think you'll see uh, both sides just um, prioritize 
prioritize this. We know we have six months to, to get it done, but um, you know, as, as important as getting DACA done is getting tax reform done. So I think you'll see Congress come together on this, move together on tax reform, and hopefully we see Congress start to move at a faster pace than they have. Well, hopefully that's hopefully that's the case. Uh, what what sort of impacts are you expecting to see uh, from President Trump's speech here in North Dakota? I mean, is this going to be him laying out the you know the, the policy? Is is this something that Congress is going to be able to take this ball and begin to run with it and and, and get this reform moving, or or is this just going to be more sort of laying out general principles? I think you're going to hear him elevate uh, local stories, stories of, of the American people. I also think what you'll hear are, are some of the broad outlines that we've seen before. Um, you know, this is uh, we've seen the Better Way plan from the House, which basically, if you make fifty thousand dollars, you get five thousand dollars more in your pocket. You know, those are the general guidelines and principles that we know the House has put forward, uh, which we know they're working on in consultation with the president. So I, I'm not sure if you'll see all of the specifics tonight, but just know that are being worked on. The president's already met with more than 200 members of Congress, several trade groups, uh, many think tanks. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, and this is the process of selling tax reform to the American people, which should be an easy sell because everyone wants to keep more of their paycheck. A backdrop to all this, it, it's something that's, I, I'm not sure it's getting enough attention. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey begins his corruption trial today. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, isn't that interesting? The corruption trial of Senator Bob Menendez is getting no attention at all. You had a 1,300-word New York Times article that failed to mention he was a Democrat. Uh, had it been a Republican, I, I'm fairly certain it would have been in the headline and several times throughout the piece. Um, this is a huge deal. Uh, this is someone who, you know, is facing 14 counts of bribery and corruption. And what we're seeing is deafening silence from the Democrats. Uh, Democrats not calling on it, calling for him to resign if convicted. Uh, they're silent where in the past, you know, when it was a Republican that we that was uh, convicted of corruption, they, they were calling on Republicans to, to call for resignation and to vote for expulsion. So we hear deafening silence from Democrats, um, and corruption shouldn't be a partisan issue. No, I agree. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for your time. I, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Bob, and I hope you enjoy the president's speech. That's uh, Kaylee McEnany. I certainly appreciate your time. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. 701-293-9000 if you want to join in. 888-970-9329. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY-AM and 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. Last segment, 701-293-9000. If you want to join in, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You know, I, with, with President Trump, uh, you, you never know what you're going to get. But he has said some, some, I think, very broad things about tax reform and you know lowering both the corporate tax and, and personal taxes. And, and here's, here's a point I want to make about the tax code. And, and I think it's something a lot of people... Forget, because I, I think a lot of people look at, at tax policy in a very one-dimensional way, in that it's it's just, you know, it's 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 just that, that we can raise and lower rates and that that's not going to have an impact on how people react to it, right? So I think what you got to mean is, is there's a lot of variables to this. So if we, right now, I, I think a big problem, and Governor Bergham alluded to this earlier in the program, a big problem we have is that not only are America's 
corporate tax rates, for instance, very high. You know, particularly when you start combining state and federal corporate taxes in, in some states of the union, the rates are very high. Um, you know, some of the highest in the world, if not the highest, depending on what state you're in. Um, so, so that's that's an issue right there. Not only the rates are high, but also the code itself is Byzantine. I mean, it is complex. It is difficult to comply with. And even people who are acting, people and businesses who are acting in good faith to try to comply with the tax code and follow all the laws and pay all the taxes that they're supposed to pay, file their taxes every year, uncertain whether they've actually followed all the laws or not. It is that complicated. Tax professionals. I remember there was this famous anecdote where a member of Congress um, had their staff call and pose the same tax question to IRS helplines in like seven or eight different jurisdictions and got a, a different answer to the situation from nearly every jurisdiction. Not even the people who are in charge of implementing the tax code understand the tax code completely. It is an abomination. We need reform and we need lower rates. And the reason why we need those things, because people say, oh, well, you're just going to give a tax cut to big business or whatever. Well, here's the thing. The people that everybody wants to tax the most, the big, big businesses and the rich, the thing about them is they are extremely mobile. They could do things like create tax shelters. They could do things like move their wealth to other jurisdictions, including other countries. A lot of businesses in the United States will up and say, oh, no, we're headquartered in some other country. Even though we're an American business and we're producing products in America and we're selling products and services to Americans, they'll locate in another place just to take advantage of the tax implications. And a lot of people get upset about that. A lot of people say, you know, call them unpatriotic or whatever. But really, all they're doing is reacting rationally to our tax code. And so what I think we've got to do is we've got to reform the tax code in order to have people react in rational ways that have them keep their business and keep their wealth in America. Because ultimately, that's what we want. We want America and and the different jurisdictions within America, like North Dakota, to be a good place to do business. Because when people can start businesses, and I'm not just talking about big businesses like Google and Apple and Coca-Cola and all these other companies, but I'm talking about, you know, small business, somebody starting a dog grooming business or somebody starting a restaurant or something. We want these people to be able to do business in the United States. We want them to be able to very easily start their businesses to go out there and try and to employ other people and to buy goods and services from other businesses and create the sort of commerce from whence comes prosperity. I, it's, it, it amazes me that, that we make this into such a huge political football because to me it makes sense. The government's ability to tax is limited. I mean, you can raise, I mean, as, as a matter of public policy, you can raise taxes as high as, as you want, and you can, you can implement all sorts of different rules and, and exemptions and credits and deductions and everything else. And you can make it this giant maze. But people are going to react to it. I mean, people, you reach a certain point, people are going to react to it by avoiding the taxes, either legally or illegally. I mean, once you get beyond a certain level, our ability to collect it, and they've actually done studies about this, where you move, once you get the rate up above a certain level, people just find ways to stop paying it. You see that with, like, sin taxes, right? Like, states that jack up the taxes on cigarettes, what happens? Well, all of a sudden, now you have a cigarette bootlegging problem. 
Now, I'm not condoning illegal activity. I'm not saying it's okay to cheat. I'm just saying that's human nature. That's reality. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I think we ought to make public policy based on reality. And the reality is, is that Re- the, the reality is, is that the, the marketplace is a dynamic place. People are, are, are dynamic. They make decisions, and they can often do it in unexpected ways. Statutes are static, right? So you pass a law, and the law is static, and what are people going to do? If it's too hard to, to comply with the law or comply with the tax, they're going to find ways not to do it, be they legal or illegal. They're going to find ways around it. They're going to find the path of least resistance. What's, what's really interesting is that we've, we've seen in, in the entertainment industry, for instance, you know, Netflix. You know, why, why did Netflix become so popular? Because they made streaming videos in your home easy. It was just easy to access that entertainment, easier than ever before. And they succeeded at it. So maybe we ought to do something like that for our tax code. Just make it easy to comply with. Set a reasonable rate, make it easy to pay your taxes, and then just let the economy explode. That's what we ought to do. That's it for me. Jay Thomas show coming up next. He may be covering, uh, he may be carrying President Trump's speech. I'm not sure if Jay's made that decision yet. Uh, stay tuned for that. That's coming up next. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Or, of course, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com, where you can also find a link to subscribe to the podcast of this show so you never have to miss an episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.